your Locked On Senators, your daily podcast on the Ottawa Senators. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. I'm Tim Stützle, and you're listening to the Locked On Senators podcast. Welcome inside episode 238 of the Locked On Senators podcast. I'm Ross Levitan in the heart of enemy territory, downtown Toronto, alongside Brandon Piller up in Collingwood. And we're now seven games into the NHL season, and the Ottawa Senators are on a six-game losing streak. Last night, another 5-1 defeat at the hands of the Vancouver Canucks, although they dominated on the shot clock, especially in that first period. But we'll get Pilsy's take on what went wrong, where the defensive zone coverage has just been porous, and what needs to change. We saw an injury to Christian Willannon. Who's going to step in for that? And a whole lot of more questions. Just like our last show yesterday, a lot of questions, not as many answers, but some became a bit clearer after last night's performance, including a specific Sten Central standout. Once we get past last night, cleaning that game up, we're going to tee up tonight's finale of the three-game set in Vancouver, including, of course, our Locked On player to watch. All that and more. This is the Locked On Senators podcast, your team every day. Today is Thursday, January 28th, and Pilsy. Is the number five cursed in Ottawa? Well, I mean, I can say for certain it's not blessed. That's for sure. Who went from Cody CC And look, Mike Riley, I like parts of his game, but it's the defensive part of his game that just makes you shake your head over and over. And a dash three last night is pretty brutal. I'm going to go a step further and say his offensive game is great in the offensive side because his breakouts last night cost the team two goals. Yeah, definitely. Like he, he wasn't, uh, he wasn't spectacular in two zones of the ice in the offensive zone on the power play. You don't mind him, but Hey, I still think on that second goal, there should have been a slashing or a hooking penalty though. It is clear that he completely loses all of his balance when uh, uh, the Vancouver Canucks guy gets a stick all over him. Yeah. And the ref is right there. How did, how's there no call there? I don't understand. Well, I think the worst part is that JT Miller was the initial player with the hook and he finishes off that beautiful three on one Elias Pedersen with the drop pass and the feather across. And yeah, made no mistake And Hogberg. Again, it's another game where the Sens goalies have an under 900 save percentage, but I can't blame Hogberg for more than, than maybe one goal. The first goal, these defensive zone coverages are just awful, but to, to your point, Pilsy, that first goal. Yeah. You probably want to have that. And it's just like I mentioned yesterday, the most important times to make a save are the first two minutes of a period, the last two minutes of a period, and the two minutes following a goal either way. And you can't have that deflation, especially coming off a huge defeat. It was two minutes into the game. It's already one nothing. And the Senators had good offensive zone pressure. I mean, six seconds into the game, the Vancouver Canucks ice the puck and the Sens are in the offensive zone making moves. I really liked the DJ Smith's decision to start calling White Evgeny Dadanov and Nick Paul, the first shift, I thought they they were buzzing out there. And then, yeah, that's the only goal I'm really going to have problems with Marcus Hogberg here because he thinks he has it covered and he's completely still and kind of like a statue frozen. And then, of course, it squeaks out and Tyler Mott just banks in the puck. Like, 
someone's got to be there right around Hogberg when he's he thinks he's smothered the puck and you've got to expect a rebound or something and no one's there and Tyler Mott looks like an absolute all-star up against these Ottawa Senators. Yeah, Tyler Mott, five goals. He had two more in last night's game. Just one of those things you have to shake your head at. But while we're on the first period, the rest of it after that goal was all Ottawa. Two shots away from a franchise record. They had 24 in the period. They only surrendered seven. How deflating, though, is it leaving that period tied at one? That's tough for sure. Like that, that is probably going to be the best period of Ottawa Senators hockey we see all season. Let's be honest. Like 23, I, I don't know if it's 23 or 24 shots. I'm seeing different stats and different sites, but either way, out shooting them by more than triple in the first period and you only come away with a tie and the goal you score, let's be honest. And I've said it, I want the sense to score greasy garbage goals. That was a greasy garbage goal. It's not like they had amazing chances. That was our friend of the show, Dean Brown's spot to go scramble. <laughs> yeah, that was, that was a perfect scramble. And Hey, shout out to Josh Norris. I want to talk about that goal because there's at least four players just hacking, whacking right at Demko. What does Josh Norris do? He says, I'm not any help just being the fifth guy in there hacking and whacking. I'm going to wait patiently in the slot. If the puck comes out to me, I'm the first guy that gets it and I'm going to bury it. And Alex Edler, who is supposed to be a veteran, good defenseman, is literally the, the fifth guy, not in the scrum, at the side of the net, just watching it all. And Josh Norris gets it and buries it. So you got to love to see that. It's almost like a rugby scrum where the guy's yeah. waiting for the for the ball to come out back and Norris made no mistake. He was electric. Uh, that top line, and we keep going back to it, but they contribute so much of the offensive zone time. And yeah, they all played over five minutes with the extra man, but that power play, which was where Norris scored his second goal of the season, assisted by, you guessed it, his line mates, Brady Kachuk, Drake Batherson. They're on the top power play with Thomas Shabbat and Evgeny Dadanov, and that cannot change. That is exactly where you want everyone. And I know some people, myself included, we want Timmy Superstar out there, especially with the man advantage. But are you going to have a power play with five guys under 23? Are you going to? And I think Dadanov has that experience, and he can be the trigger man in certain situations, although we haven't really seen it uh, yet much this year other than that one goal against Winnipeg. But... I think you keep the power play status quo. I thought it generated a lot of offense, but five on five, man. Like, where did it all fall apart here after that first period? I think it was just the loss of momentum. Like, like we were saying last show, like the Senators, for them to be successful, they're going to have to do those little things right. They're going to have to forecheck hard. They're going to have to back check hard. They're going to have to win those puck battles. They're going to have to get rebounds and greasy goals. And it seemed like they were doing all of that, except rebounds. I want to shout out again, Thatcher Demko's rebound control is elite. Not many second chances there. So they, they're doing all those things right, but they're not getting rewarded. So it's like... It's like when, I don't know, like when you're playing a video game and you're up against that boss level and you do the same thing over and over and over and over and you can't beat them. You can't get any sort of success. Like the Senators need a cookie. You need something to be like, oh yeah, all our hard work, we got rewarded with that and they can't get it. But that's what it should have been on the power play because the power play was anemic before Josh Norris scored. They hadn't had a power play goal since the, the overtime loss to Winnipeg when they blew it late. They had gone three straight games without a power play goal, including 0 for 5 in the first game in Vancouver. So you got to think Norris gets it. You're feeling good. And then boom, again, 
one minute into the second period. So both periods, first two minutes, you're down a goal within that frame. So there, any momentum is gone. Now, since the Sens won their opener, they've scored 11 goals in six games. They've allowed 29, Pilsy. And they didn't have any help on the defensive side of the puck last night, not only with the players playing. And by the way, Thomas Shabbat didn't play a second shorthanded. And I know he's an offensive guy. I know that he is a player you want moving the puck up ice. But when Christian Willanen already goes down, he's not a penalty killer himself. I, I Basically, this is a long-winded way of saying that Mike Riley should never be on an NHL penalty kill. Ever. Ever. It's just not his game. And he was a dash three at even strength as well. So don't his five on five, not much better. But this was just a spectacularly bad effort from not only Riley. I thought Cabranson was pretty bad. Brayton Coburn plays 15 minutes. He's a dash two as well. There's just... There needs to be more reliance on Thomas Shabbat, and he hasn't really had the best season. And You knew that they were going to rely on him, but Pilsy, what do you do? And I feel like I ask this question every pod. How do you fix this decor? Yeah, I'm not sure. And when we're talking about Thomas Shabbat, I, I don't want to see him on the penalty kill. I think this is a guy that's going to play so much time five on five, so much time power play, but... You make a good point when Willannon's out of the game. Yeah, he's not a penalty killer, but that's a man down. When Mike Riley is playing absolutely brutal, and I'm with you, I do not want him sniffing any sort of PK time. Like having a guy who's only good offensively and is terrible in the neutral zone and defensive zone, you cannot have him killing penalties. He played 258 on the PK. Only Zaitsev had more time on ice among defensemen. And by the way, stick taps again to Zaitsev, another just workmanlike performance. I, I would have him on the side when we're ripping this decor because he's actually been their most consistent defenseman all year. Yeah, I'm with you. And Zaitsev, we need a shutdown guy, and he's been good shutting the other players down and getting assists while he's at it. So Zaitsev... Once again, stick taps to him. He's playing good. But yeah, I don't want Thomas Shabbat playing on the penalty kill unless it's necessary. And I think last night was a scenario where it was clearly necessary. Like I tweeted out this morning, I was watching the condensed game highlights and every single goal, the camera went from Canucks goal Selly to Mike Riley shaking his head in disgust on the ice. Like that can't be happening. That's too easy for the replay guy to chalk those up together. Yeah, it really is. But hopefully changes are made. Maybe not Mike Riley, though. I would just put him straight up on waivers. And I'm not trying to pile on the guy. But even sends prospects. But a a minute and 10 second clip after the second period of all the miscues and tripping over himself coming out of the zone. And it was just a comedy of errors for number five on the Ottawa Senders. We joked off the top of the show, a cursed number in sends history. You had... Chris Phillips wore that, and he's like, nah, get me out of here. Give me number four. Let's get that one up into the rafters. Then Sammy Sallow comes in, had all the talent in the world, uh, unreal slap shot, but always hurt. And then Greg DeVries comes in. He's just a throw-in in the Heatley for Hosa trade. Our boy Shuby, leave Shuby out of this as number five. But then you have Andy Sutton. That didn't work out. Brian Lee, <laughs> moving on. Cody Cece, and then Mike Riley. So... Maybe Mike Riley just has to throw another five on the back there. Maybe he'll get Sergey Gonchar syndrome and at least contribute at the offensive side of the ice. So, well, I don't know, Ross. That's not working for Braden Coburn. <laughs> oh, true. I guess he he could take that from Coburn, no problem. Just get him out of here as well. The the beauty though is that the Senators and for anyone who said Sanderson wasn't the right pick, 
case in point, what you're seeing on the ice right now. And we should mention, before we get into our Send Central standouts, there was a trade uh, yesterday. Ottawa sending Christian Yarosh. Tackling, tackling. We, uh, we had some fun with Yarosh, especially back in his Swedish Hockey League days, but really just didn't work out for him at the NHL level. Ottawa acquiring Jack Kopaka, a former Sault Ste. Marie Greyhound. He's been down and up with the uh, San Diego goal, still looking for his first NHL game. So when I say down and up, he played five games in the East Coast League last year just kind of tells you where his career's at however he's 22 versus Yarosh who's closer to 24 and you add a seventh round pick in the mix there so Christian Yarosh will be heading to San Jose where where Rudy Balsers is also is a three-way trade Ottawa getting Kopaka from Anaheim but Pilsy do you have any quick thoughts on Yarosh I don't like this deal like it seems like you're giving away a lot of value for and I, I don't know about the guy. I can't even pronounce the guy's name coming back to Ottawa. So I'm not even going to try and butcher Dude, it's that. Dude, it's a fun way to name to say Jack Opaka. Jack Opaka. All right. Jack Opaka coming back the other way. Look, I'm not too convinced this guy's going to be that great. And Christian Yaros, we just talked about a decor that we're struggling to find answers with. That's a guy you could have inserted into that decor and given a shot at least. You spent how many years developing him? He's played an entire season in the NHL. He's a good, hard, rugged, right shot defenseman. This one's a head scratcher for me. Unless you're thinking you can pick up Joey Decord or Ryan Dezingle with that seventh round pick. I don't really see the I don't see why you're doing this if you're Pierre Dorian. Yeah, I think it was more from the player standpoint. I'd be shocked if Yarosh's agent wasn't like, hey, get get my client out of here. You're not giving him opportunity. Still, you should get a better return. Like you said it yourself, you've, you've been talking to Pooley and Pooley's like, yeah, I'm, if I'm an NHL team, I'm trying to scoop this guy up. You think there'd be a better market for him and you could get a little more value than an East Coast Hockey League player in a seventh round pick. Well, let's not say Kopaka's uh, a, an East Coast level talent. He played there. I don't know if he's coming back from injury or whatnot. Played five games in the East Coast League last year and had eight points in five games. So I think he's a little over-talented for that level. Seven goals, 15 points in 37 games in San Diego with the goals last year as well. But So a fringe I, AHLer. I would say, yeah, probably a third-line Instead line of a AHLer. fringe NHLer. Yeah, there you know. go. So, yeah, you mix in the seventh-round pick. And you're not even that deep on D anymore. Like, it used to be you were like, hey. Lajoie's gone. Exactly. Well, no worse for wear there. Uh, one thing I will say about Jack Opaka is 13 goals, 21 points in 24 games last uh, playoffs in junior. So he's put himself uh, on the score sheet in important games, albeit three years ago. <laughs> Talk about grasping at straws there. Maybe he just needs a built bar to get him a bit more energy. And then he can come into Belleville and just rip it up. Maybe a cross from Igor Sokolov on the other wing. Is he has 16 different amazing flavors to choose from when he grabs his built bar? Because they're the protein bar that tastes like a candy bar. They're 100% covered in chocolate. They're soft. They're easy to chew. Jack, listen up, buddy. They're great if you're a health-conscious guy like you or a girl because you can lose or maintain weight while indulging in a delicious treat. The bars are low in calorie, low in sugar, but high in protein and high in fiber. That's a nutritional grand slam, and they taste great to boot. I'm going to profile today the peanut butter brownie because it comes with 20 grams of protein. That is not a spelling mistake. That's a lot of protein for a bar has 170 calories, three grams of sugar, three grams of net carbs. That's a good choice, but let's get a great choice. And with that, we head over to Pilsy's Built Bar Pick of the Week. 
Guys, I'm going for a nice pastry special here. Apple almond crisp. I love a good apple crisp, a good apple pie. So why not mix some almonds in there, get a little extra protein. You got to try it. Apple almond crisp built bar. Sounds like you're holding on to fall a little bit with there with the apple crisp, but it is a nice snack on a cold day. It's built bar. It's a protein bar that tastes like a candy bar. Go to builtbar.com. Use the promo code locked on and you'll get 20% off your first order. So Pillsy, all this talk about the lack of ability on the Senator's blue line and the franchise is sitting in a hotel room in Ottawa waiting, not playing, waiting. Why have we not seen Eric Brandstrom? Well, to answer the question why is because Eric Brandstrom had a very unfortunate sequence of events, uh, COVID-related, that stopped him from playing as many games as he would have liked over in Europe. It stopped him from coming over to training camp at the start of the time, at the start of the camp. It stopped him from meeting new teammates, uh, working out, I'm sure, was difficult when he's quarantining. So he's just behind everybody here. And when you've already been off for over 300 days heading into the season, the last thing you can really do is, is put a guy in an unfair position and have him have him work at an NHL level, which he's not really quite ready for right away without without getting his legs under him and getting used to the NHL schedule again. So I think that's why you didn't see him get a chance at camp and uh, you didn't see him inserted into the taxi squad and be readily available for the Ottawa Senators. But we're at a point here where we're desperate. You said it yourself. You're grasping at straws to try to uh, explain how this team's doing. And with the decor looking like this, Mike Riley looking like a disaster. Christian Rolan, and we'll see what uh, his health is like. Obviously, he didn't play most of that game. I think it's time you got to at least consider figuring out a way to get Brand- Brandstrom into this lineup because the Sens are desperate and they need to look for answers anywhere they can get them. I have February 6th home to Montreal as the day we- that the franchise is released. And that's just because you have your taxi squad with you and I believe you have to exhaust those options before you call them up from the AHL or there's going to be a quarantine process. Ottawa, still four games left on this seven-game road trip. But how much confidence are you going to have, whether it's Artem Zub or Jonathan Aspero, if they're the guys who are put into this lineup to save the day? I'll say I have a little more confidence in Zub just because we don't know what we have from Zub yet, right? Like we haven't seen him play a North American game. He's got a lot of KHL experience. And hey, look, no offense to Jonathan Asperot. I thought he was a great player in Belleville, but he's not really your NHL caliber guy. Like he would be your seventh D at best in the NHL roster. So I'm not really looking for, for him to crack the lineup here, but Artem Zub, man, this guy was a touted free agent. He like he must think that he's betting on himself because why not just stay in Russia and keep making good bank? He was playing really well. It's your home country. Unless you think you have a chance to be an even better player and you want to you want to elevate your game in a different league, the greatest hockey league in the world, give him a shot. Give him the opportunity because I can tell you there's three or four guys on the Sens decor right now that I don't think should keep deserving an opportunity to play at the NHL level. Yeah, I want to see Artem Zub. Maybe he'll wear that Olympic gold medal on the ice too, just to show the boys that he can. He's got some some winning as well that he's done. So, uh, yeah, we'll keep our eye on on what happens with the decor, how everything shakes out with not only Willanden's health, but if Artem Zub in fact does get into the lineup. So, lots of shuffling there, but we did have a couple standouts last night as well, Pills. 
Wait, before we move on, I just want to say, too, we're still waiting on the information from the AHL for the Canadian division. So that's going to be really interesting to see how this whole Brandstrom scenario plays out because, man, they got to get him playing games soon. And if their expectation is we'll get him playing in the AHL for a bit, then call him up, I don't know how that's looking because we don't have a plan in place for the Belleville Senators to play yet. Yeah, whether they play in Ottawa or in Belleville, Time will tell, hopefully sooner than later, because the rest of the AHL already has a schedule. But There's been preseason still, games. Yeah, and still nothing. And it just sucks because from what we're aware of, the Ottawa Senators AHL players are still practicing at the Canadian Tire Center, but living out of the Brook Street Hotel. Like, how uncomfortable must that be? Hopefully this gets all solved sooner rather than later. But the players that are in the lineup are standing out themselves. At least a couple guys. Pilsy, who was your... Send Central standout in last night's 5-1 loss against the Vancouver Canucks. My Send Central standout, and I'm proud to say this, is Colin White. Colin White, man, for this guy to go through what he's going through, like, well, hey, it's hashtag Bell Let's Talk Day, so, I mean, it's appropriate. Like, that must have been tough on his mental health. When you're a young guy, you're expected to be one of the leaders on this team. Uh, you've already got a couple NHL seasons under your belt. You want to have a bounce-back season. All the other young guys are getting chances. You're seeing Brady. You're seeing Norris. You're seeing Drake, Timmy. All these guys are getting in the lineup, and you're sitting up in the press box when you have the most money committed to you as a forward on this entire goddamn team. That's got to be tough for Colin White. But it seems like his work ethic is really there. Like DJ Smith put his line out to start the game. Colin White's been doing better at faceoffs. He was four for nine last night, so not bad, 44%. I saw him getting good four checks, good back checks. He was working hard out on the ice. He had a really good chance all alone in front of the net with three good whacks at it. But Demko, again, that rebound control, sure, he gave up the rebounds, but he was in position to stop them and smothered it on the third chance there. I think Colin White really had a turnaround game, and I would be shocked if DJ Smith doesn't get him in the lineup more consistently now. He had four shots and played a season high of 16 minutes, 55 seconds. That's what we want to see from Colin White. And he's put him in a, in a position to succeed on a line with Nick Paul, arguably the most consistent, best Senators player all year. And then of getting Dadinov, your big top free agent signing, who you expect to score a lot of goals. So DJ Smith is giving him the opportunities here now. Let's see him ride with it. Yeah, and according to Nat Statrick, naturalstatrick.com, it's a really good advanced stats site. They had the second best Corsi 4, which means more shots than shots against a 5-on-5 in the game for Ottawa. And the worst line was Stutzla, Tierney, and Connor Brown, which I I find a little interesting as well. They only have four shots for 13 against. But Nick Paul, Colin White, Evgeny Dadnov, 12 for 10 against. And uh, it's just too bad that it didn't, come in with another five on five goal because i think that especially if that was in the second period you really could have turned the momentum in this game going forward i'm gonna pluck a player off of the top line the kid line for my send central standout and it's josh norris because he just continues to impress he's for me a guy who at the start of the season was behind logan brown simply because you had to see what you had in logan brown but man when you watch him play he's an nhler it's as simple as that Last night, he was on for almost 11 minutes at 5-on-5, 17 shots, 4, and 10 against. He had the top Corsi on the entire Senators team. No surprise, Kachuk, Batherson were second and third in that category. But in more traditional stats as well, he gets his his goal. He's got seven shots, 
and he's 60% in the faceoff dot. And that last point is what I want to focus on because we always hear with young players, oh, they're a centerman, but they can move to the wing. And when you saw Josh Norris go 20% in his first NHL game in the dot, you're like, okay, what do we have here? But he has really worked on it. You can imagine that he's, he's watching video, figuring out ways to win faceoffs, And that's what he's been able to do. And hopefully that keeps up because he is a hell of a player. I didn't realize, and I know we watched him a lot in Belleville, but a lot of it was off the rush in a, a bit of a slower league, right? Everything's a step faster in the NHL. And he is, he's looking like one of the faster players out on the ice at that level. Does that surprise you in itself, Pills? The speed doesn't surprise me because, yeah, he always seemed like he was a good skater. I never really pegged him as a great skater, though, but he's holding his own in the NHL. And I think another big thing, too, is that top kid line has been playing amazing, but it also, like, they've got a lot of responsibility. Like, they're consistently the best line every single night. They're the only line that hasn't been touched. Like, that's the one thing that's working for the Sens. And I think that gives them a little bit of, um, you know, a little bit of pride. They're like, we're, we're the top line. DJ hasn't split us up, even though he's talking about young mistakes and such. We're, we're generating offense. Our Corsi numbers are great. I think it gives them a little pep in their step. And they've been playing high-octane offense hockey. They've been getting shots. They've been uh, good on the forecheck. I really like what I've seen from this kid line. And I wouldn't be surprised if they stay together uh, even continuing. Like, that's been a solid line. At least it kind of gives you the sense of what's to come, right? If these kids are in and out of the lineup or they're plug and playing on, on lines with players who aren't going to be here going forward, then it's different. But you could see this as a line for years to come in Ottawa. That's probably the goal, right? Absolutely. I think this is what Pierre Dorian envisioned when he made sure Josh Norris was a part of that Carlson trade. Brady Kachuk's best friend. These two are going to be tied at the hip. I want to see them building chemistry and I want to see them playing together and we're seeing it. It looks great. What about the the usage for them? I mean, we still haven't had another chance for them to be out there protecting a lead because they haven't led in a game since that, uh, that up a goal late against Winnipeg situation. So what do you make of DJ Smith explaining how he's going to use his young players? So DJ Smith had a, a Zoom press conference before the game. And I look, I, there's been people that are up and down on DJ Smith. I've been with him the whole way, pretty much. And I think I really liked what he said. I retweeted it, watched the video. Is before he before the game, he said, I want to put the young guys in positions to succeed. Now, a lot of you are probably rolling your eyes, like, yeah, that's coach speak. We've heard that all before. But when you really think about it, like coaches these days are more managing players' personalities than they are the X's and O's. Uh, there was even a quote of John Tortorella saying when they asked him about Pierre-Luc Dubois, he said, I don't even do the X's and O's anymore. The assistant coaches do all that. And I focus on managing personalities. And that's what DJ Smith, I think, does a good job of. You don't want to trot the young guys out there just for the sake of trotting them out there. And then they get shelled. If you're constantly putting them in tough t- situations, and they're constantly failing, their confidence is going to be destroyed and it's hard to develop. And then you got guys who are going to be a big part of this future, Brady Kachuk, Josh Norris, Drake Batherson, being like, man, maybe I'm not ready for the NHL. Maybe I can't do this. I don't have what it takes. He wants to make sure they're being put in positions to succeed. And that's so important. And you're seeing the veterans make mistakes in crucial moments, but these are the guys that are supposed to have already gone through those growing pains. These are the guys that aren't supposed to be taking a massive hit uh, mentally or get um, 
like lose their confidence when they make a mistake. These are the guys that are supposed to know how to work through this. So I really liked what DJ Smith had to say. And he cited Drake Batherson as a great example. Last year, a bunch of us would have thought Drake Batherson's ready. He lit it up in the AHL. He starts a couple games and he does not look like himself. He's not confident. He's not generating any offense. Put him back in the minors, get the confidence back up, get the development back up. He got a little more size. Look at him now. So I think we all need to be patient in this process because the young guys are going to come. Like you said, that top line is going to be a part of this future. It just is going to take some time and you want them to be confident and put in positions to succeed. I'm going to bet on that youth to going forward. And when I do, I'm always going to go to betonline.ag. Hey, there's hockey full force, even though don't even get me started on the fact it's either two games or 14 games every night maybe we could spread it out a little bit but either way i'm gonna have action on every single one and the one place that i trust to get my action is betonline.ag and the beauty being at the locked on podcast network is it's our exclusive sponsor and you can sign up today as well and be a part of betonline.ag with some of the best welcome bonuses in the business just use our promo code it's locked on for a 50 percent Welcome bonus. You put in $100, $50 right in your pocket. Put in $200, get $100 right for you. And hey, you're going to need that welcome bonus if you've been riding with Pillsy's pick of the week. Hey, I'm already all over the Super Bowl. All the prop bets for the Super Bowl are always a ton of fun. So go to Bet Online, check out all of the different wagers you can make. But before you check out all the wagers, you're going to have to place some bets. And for us, we have Pillsy's parlay of the day. It's been so close, but so far, Many times it has hit once though, Pills. You have gotten a win, and we're ready for you to get another win tonight. What is our Pillsy's parlay of the day? Hey, just like the Ottawa Senators, Pillsy's parlay of the day is struggling coming out of the gates here. But I hate to keep saying it. I was damn close again. Philly hit the puck line. They won a 5-3. And then uh the other game, I think it was it was Vegas, St. Louis, went to shootout, and St. Louis won it in the shootout. So I'm close. I'm I'm getting there, guys. There's a method to my madness here. So we're gonna switch things up a little bit here on Pillsy's parlay of the day. We're hitting the over at six and a half. For your Ottawa Senators, Vancouver Canucks, these are two of the teams that have allowed some of the most goals in the entire league. We've seen these been high-scoring games. Sure, maybe it's a little lopsided and the Vancouver Canucks are getting most of those goals, but still counts in the over. So the over 6.5 is at plus 116. I like that a lot. And then I'm heading over to Tampa Bay versus the Carolina Hurricanes. We've got the Tampa Bay Lightning here, the reigning Stanley Cup champions. They're coming off an embarrassing 5-2 loss to Columbus without Pierre-Luc Dubois or Laine or Rozovic, and they lost 5-2 to them. You're going to want a bounce back game there. Carolina hasn't played a game since January 18th due to COVID uh, situations, and still on their COVID list is Jacob Slavin, Tevu Teravainen, Jesper Fast. Jordan Martinuk and Warren Fogle. So they're missing a lot of guys. Tampa Bay is going to win this game. I got their puck line at plus 165. So Pilsy's parlay of the day, the over six and a half in the Sens Canucks game and the puck line for Tampa Bay versus Carolina put in 10 bucks. And this is going to be our biggest win yet. Our first win in a long time. Biggest win. 10 bucks wins you 47, 24. Let's go goals in the Sens game and go lightning. All right, don't sit on the sidelines anymore. Get yourself into the action and don't forget to use the promo code Locked On to receive a 50% welcome bonus with your first deposit. It's Bet Online, 
your online sportsbook experts. All right, Pilsy, you got to imagine the Ottawa Senators go back to Matt Murray for tonight's game. We already know that Braden Holtby will do the same in Vancouver's net, although Demko played both games one and two of this series. What is your initial thought going into tonight's finale of a three-game set? Well, if you gotta, if you're the Ottawa Senators, you got you gotta be sitting here praying that Travis Green doesn't go back to Thatcher Demko because there was no answer to solving Thatcher Demko except a greasy tip by Austin Watson and then a mad scramble that Josh Norris puts in. So you better hope that Braden Holtby's the guy in net tonight. Yeah, seriously, Demko played really well. You can't say the same for the two Ottawa goalies. What does Matt Murray need in his game to bounce back here? Well, I'm going to go with what you've been talking about, Ross. Let's see the first two minutes of the game. Nice, clean, zero on the scoreboard for the Canucks. Let's Each see period, the, though. Yeah, at the start. But the start of the game especially. That, that's the one I'm going to be watching the most, is the first two games or first two minutes of the start of the game, the end of the period, and, and after goals are scored. I'm going to be watching Matt Murray on those times, like you mentioned. I think that's crucial, not only for a team's momentum, but for a goalie's confidence also, that you feel like you're keeping your team in this game. We need a game, I, and Matt Murray has had some bad games. He's had some decent games. Marcus Hogberg, I thought, was good in both games. We need a game where one of those guys steals it for us. Dr. Demko has been stealing both those games for the Vancouver Canucks, and we need one of our attendees to steal a game for us because that's going to boost the confidence. It's going to get make the young guys not so worried to make mistakes. I want to see a big bounce-back game from Matt Murray here. I like that. I like that a lot. Now, it's been Vancouver's bottom six that has done a lot of the damage against Ottawa, and that's aside from Elias Patterson's two goals yesterday. What's the key to containing that, I mean, Tyler Mott and that, that whole crew of misfits? Well, I'm throwing this to the responsibility of the decor. Like the Mott, Beagle, Roussel, uh, the, the Sutter, like... <laughs> When you're looking up against the Vancouver Canucks, you're not circling those guys on the lineup and being like, how on earth are we going to stop Mott? How are we going to stop this guy? He's just an offensive force. No, you're looking at that top six, but the bottom six has got all over them. So what the decor has to do is most of those bottom six goals have been rebounds. you got to smother those rebounds. I don't care. Just hit the puck as fast hard and far as you can out of the crease i don't care where it goes it can't be sitting in that spot just readily available to be tapped in by these bottom six guys so the defensive core and a couple of those were problems whiffing on the puck like shabbat whiffing on that puck in front of the net that led to uh i think it was a tyler mock goal from jay beagle you can't have those small little mistakes happen right in front of your goalie so the decor needs to clean it up in the crease that's what i'm looking for there Well, part of that as well as the gold differential, Ottawa sitting dead last with minus 16 on the young season. The next worst team, minus nine and Detroit. So that is quite the discrepancy, although obviously teams have played a wide variety of number of games. But I like that for you. Uh, How about your locked on player to watch tonight? Is there a certain guy who you're going to be circled every time they're out on the ice? I'm being hashtag locked on to Derek Stepan. This is an interesting case for him. He was basically demoted to the fourth line. This is a guy the Senators traded a second round pick for 
in order to come in, be a top six centerman because they felt they needed one and they did. And to be a veteran guy, to not be making mistakes, he's made two poor delay of game penalty mistakes and he hasn't been able to contribute offensively. He's had the chances. He's just whiffed on solid chances. Like last night, Stutzla fed him for a perfect one-timer. He got the puck through the crease, through defenders, through Sens guys. And Stepan stops the puck, waits for everyone to shift over and be ready. And then let's go arguably one of the weakest shots I've ever seen. Like that cannot be happening. But where one thing is, say something nice about Derek Stepan. He's really improved on the face-off dot. Since the second game, he was two for 14. That's absolute garbage. Last night, he went seven for 11, including two for three on the power play. So he's getting it figured out on the face-off dot. So that's massive because the Sens have struggled. I think they're like 28th in the league in face-off win percentage. So having a veteran guy figure it out and start winning those uh, battles in the face-off dot is massive. I want to see Derek Stepan prove that he's not a fourth-line center and move back up this lineup. Yeah, I want to see him play a little bit, you know, with more pace. Would be would be nice, and maybe that's something we knew coming in that his pace has dropped off from what it was in the prime of his career. But he still needs to be able to make smart plays and get himself back because you're right, he has taken a demotion, especially in ice time. You look at five on five ice time, and he is near the bottom. Only Connor Brown, funny enough, was also near the bottom of this. Then Cedric Paquette, Austin Watson, the only healthy players, obviously will land in playing the least in the game, but he missed the entire third period. So you're right. Stepan needs to work to make his way up the lineup. I'm going to be locked on a guy who hasn't played a minute all year. And you got to think Artem Zub comes in the lineup tonight. So I'm going to hitch my, my wagon to there. I'm going to always be isolated on him when he's on the ice. But let's say, for example, he doesn't get in for whatever reason. It has to be Mike Riley. How are you going to bounce back from that performance yesterday? By all accounts, it was just awful. And how is he going to respond? Because there's two ways. You can either shrivel under pressure and we don't know what's going to be next or He's going to rebound and maybe put up a couple apples tonight. Wouldn't that be nice? Yeah, that would be great. And honestly, I don't even need to see him get on the point sheet. Just don't be a complete liability defensively. Like, take take some advice from Zaitsev. Zaitsev figured it out. Simple, Simplify. smart plays. Just play simple. Don't try to be the guy that's starting a rush when your entire team is line changing and you think you're going to carry the puck in and get a zone entry and be a superstar. Don't do that. You're not that guy. Maybe you were back in your Minnesota college hockey days, but that's not the case anymore. You need to simplify your play. And when you're in the offensive zone, when you're quarterbacking that second power play unit, then you you use your risky plays. Then you try to get a little flashy. But in the neutral zone and defensive zone, he's got to smarten up. He's good in the offensive zone. It's just a matter of completing the entire game, and you nailed it. Simplify. How simple would it have been? A couple final notes, and it's Bell Let's Talk Day. And uh, we always do mention, like, reach out if you're struggling. It's okay to not be okay. And it just proved we're TSN guys as well. We're all over. Uh, we always try to get people on. And, and we respect Sportsnet as well. But how about a little courtesy graphic, Pills? They used your photo in last night's broadcast and played it off as their own. I'm glad we got to this because that was a weird moment. Like that was, and I tweeted out the Leonardo DiCaprio pointing at the TV. That's exactly what I was doing at first. And I was like, oh, nice. That's my picture. And then I was like, wait, what the hell? Like they just, they just, threw it off as if they owned that picture, no courtesy graphic or whatever. When I was working at TSN for SportsCenter, that was one of the most important things. Our highlight managers always told us, 
Anytime you get information, a picture, a photo, a quote, anything, make sure you source it. Make sure you have a courtesy. That's so important. Otherwise, these big media companies are going to get a guy like me, Brandon Pillar One, on Twitter complaining, and then maybe you get some sort of trouble down the road. Don't do that. Just toss a quick at Brandon Pillar One courtesy photo. And it was so funny because that was clearly my picture. I think there was like eight other Sense fans on Twitter being like, yeah, I knew that was yours. So like, come on, Sportsnet. Well, even Sense Prospects put a freeze frame of the photo right under your picture. So, Sportsnet, you got some explaining to do. There's a reason we're TSN, guys. I'm going to be working the Leafs game tonight, but you know I'll have an eye on the Sens game as well. You can follow us on Twitter at Sens Central. We'll tweet out our Locked On player to watch and get your take in the thread coming up to game time. We always like to retweet those, give those a little signal boost when we can. And also, make sure to subscribe wherever you get your Locked On podcasts, the Locked On Senators. And We've been noticing a, a little tick in reviews, and that's great. Keep it up. Keep reviewing. That means a lot. It, it does actually make uh, probably more of a difference than you would know, but we really appreciate that, especially, you know, losing's not fun, but there is a light at the end of the tunnel. Watching these kids get out there and play, the Bathersons, the Norrises, remembering the Kachuk's 21 years old, there is a lot to look forward to as an Ottawa Senators fan going forward. And we'll be back tomorrow to break down the finale of the Vancouver game. A couple days off for Ottawa after this game, and they'll be able to regroup before they go into the second part of this road trip. So we'll chat tomorrow for Brandon Piller. I'm Ross Levitan. This has been the Locked On Senators podcast, your team every day.